FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre, and it's been a while, but, you know, we still love FileMaker. Today, my guest is Mark Scott from Beeswax. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. Sure, you haven't been on before, but um, I really wanted to talk with you. You've got a series of of blog posts on the Beeswax site uh, about button bars, which is a subject close to my heart. I love them. Yeah, well, I didn't expect to be uh, Mr. Button Bar here at Beeswax, but um, and in fact, it, it's funny when when I sat in the uh, in DevCon a few years ago and they were first demoed, um, and, and to me it was a big yawner of a feature. I thought, well, so you can group a bunch of buttons together. You know, I can already do that with the group command, and then I think uh, she showed that you can stretch it out, and I thought, okay, well, you know. I guess that's nice. I'll probably use it, but I, I didn't really get the implications of what you know how they were going to be different until until the um, what was that? Well, it was fourteen, I guess, that had the button bars or introduced us to them, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know I, I realized that there's there's some differences. But it's not just a group of buttons, um, and uh, the the key differences are that um, there's this. Uh, distinction between the active segment and the inactive segment, which uh, a regular button doesn't have. Right. And uh, that adds extra complications, but extra power. And the other thing is that uh, if you hide a segment, the other ones expand to fill that space. Um, Which I both love and hate. Yeah, yeah. I, I both love and hate, except I've come really to love it. And if I want something... To behave differently, I probably just won't use a button bar. Um, But that allows you to have like a two-segment button bar where you're really only showing one at a time. So you you could do like a grayed-out version of a save button and an active version and put no script on the grayed-out version and uh, put your uh, save script on the other version. And um, one thing that we do is is we'll like load... um, values from a record into globals for a, a more transactional approach and bring up like a, a window or a popover or a slide panel or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're there for editing, um, but they actually aren't saved back to the record until you hit save. And, and one, of the thing I, one of the things I like to do with that is um, grab a, an MD5 hash of all the values as I load them. Mm-hmm. And then I've also uh, am calculating a, a live hash of the values that as they're edited in those globals. And as soon as those hashes don't match, I just set uh, hide conditions on the two segments. And as soon as they don't match, then the uh, the save button lights up. And uh, if you change any the values back to what they were when they loaded, it goes dim again. Oh, nice. So it really simulates nicely the idea that that the button lights up as soon as there's a change to be saved and is inactive uh, if there are no changes. That very nicely mimics uh, a lot of behavior we see on web forms these days, which must be using the same technique, right? Like in FileMaker, if you... Of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in in FileMaker, you... um, uh, Like the on object save trigger, for example, if if you... change a value and then change it back to what it was, that trigger will still fire even though you didn't do anything. 
Right, right. So, th so that's less helpful for you. Less helpful. So this, so yeah, the, but this that, is the perfect. The hashes are incredibly helpful. That's mm -hmm. another thing that that we do a lot of, and that I've gotten pretty excited about is just using MD5 hashes to roll up a large uh, array of, of values into something that's pretty concise and, and can compare when when there have been changes between records and yep. so, or entire sets of records and entire tables. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's fast, too. So the other yeah. key difference of button bars to me that are huge is it's really a layout calculation object, which we've never had before. Yeah, yeah, you, you can calculate the label, and um, it'd be nice if they would um, bring that functionality over to the, the plain old button. Right. Um, well, we just stopped using plain old buttons. We just don't use them anymore. So you use single segment button bars instead for everything? Yeah, pretty much. In fact, we've been using we've been using button bars uh, for reports and for dashboards, where we just have a bunch of single segment or multi segment button bars that have execute SQL statements or global variables or things like that um, in the button bar, and then so you have like an on record load script that goes and runs some script and sets a global variable to some data. And then display the data on the screen. Um, mm -hmm. with, so, so, so basically, it's it's functioning as a layout variable, so that you don't have to create a field. Like, a, so calculated fields are a thing of the past. Summary fields are a thing of the past. Um, we we you know we're using this as kind of what I've been wanting for a long time, which is just a layout calculation. Yeah, yeah, I've done some of that, and the other way that that. I we approached that, and I, I did something just yesterday where um, instead of a button bar, I used the uh, um, the placeholder um, text, which you, you can also uh, drive by calculation. And that, that oh, that's true. Too, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's nice. The only, the only impediment I've found to using but single segment button bars in lieu of old fashioned buttons is the um, extra styling complications. The fact that you've got separate active and inactive um, uh, 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 states, for example. Mm -hmm. And um, you can set the, the you can set the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, the active segment calculation. Um, but uh, as soon as you click it, it goes active. Right. So the styling might change. And the only way to, to reset it is to uh, put somewhere in a script something that refreshes the button bar by name. At least that's the only way I've found. Um, and then it's also that some of the styling is, is kind of fragmented between the button bar as a whole and the segment. So you can put outer shadows, for example, on the button bar and inner shadows on the segment, but not vice versa. Right. Um, so it just makes styling a little bit more uh, complicated. So I guess I still find a place for uh, regular buttons um, in lieu of uh, button bars when, um, when I don't need multiple segments. Right. So have you done any research on the, the, the relative weight in terms of the number of kilobytes of data um, that a button bar uses versus a button, uh, which matters a lot for like WebDirect? Yeah, it certainly does matter, and and no, I've done zilch, and I'd I'd be eager to hear um, from anybody who has. 
um, because that might help guide the choice of, of a button bar versus a button in some cases. Yeah, I've heard that there's, like, in other words, if you have a layout of just a, a bunch of button bars, I've heard that the amount of styling text is considerably higher, but I haven't done any research on it to myself, so I'd like to know. Yeah, if sure, if you look at it, I think it probably relates to some of those things like the fact that both the, the bar as a whole and the segments can get their own uh, styles. Um, and if you look at the, you know, dredge up the CSS files out of the, um, the themes folder mm -hmm. just to take a gander at the way FileMaker handles those under the hood, you can see that the button bars definitely have more CSS associated with them. Of course, yeah. the CSS isn't everything. There's the binary of, um, of downloading and displaying the, the object itself, right, yeah. which is not exposed to us, of course. Right, yeah. But the other thing is I love about them is they work pretty much exactly the same on uh, Go, Pro, and WebDirect. And yeah. that's a pretty great thing because not, not all the other features work. Like layering, for example, on WebDirect is, is, doesn't really work. Um, so you have right, to, right. one of those things which, you have to watch out for. Which makes a great case for using the, the sort of the two-segment button bar where you're hiding one segment or the other at any given time rather than trying to stack two objects. Yep. Um, so you, you hinted the at, the, at the beginning of this conversation about a, a two seg yeah, this two-segment button bar idea. The way that you applied that to a binary, I love that. So like if you have a field, like here, what I usually do in almost every solution, I have a field that is a number field that has a, a, a state. Basically, this record is active or not, like an invoice that is, uh, has not been paid yet. And so if it hasn't been paid, I have a, a Boolean field that has a one in it. And if it has been paid, then I, I take the one out. So the small subset of records of the invoices that have not been paid have a one. And then I usually have a, uh, a value list, which just has a number one in it. And then I put a checkbox on the layout and I shrink the checkbox so that the one doesn't actually show just the checkbox part. And I've been doing that for, I don't know, 117 years, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, same here, same here, exact same technique. You have to shrink that and not show the one and then, and then uh, yeah. It's two and or three you're, sort of. stuck yeah. with a clunky looking checkbox with the big X in it. They gave us check marks a, a year or two ago, but yep. they, they look marginally better than that that old uh, clunky X. Right. But you have a technique that just uses a two-segment button bar and uses an icon. And that's one of the other awesome things about button bars is the icons and the oh, ability yeah. to put in your own custom icons. And you've got several in your example files um, that basically would have an icon that would have the state of checked and not checked. And then you can go, you can have it look like whatever you want. And then yeah. <clears throat> the code is insanely simple. It's basically um, is in, you know the, the it, let's say the field is called is active on the invoice is is active and not is active, and you have uh, basically exclusive object invisibility. I'm really saying that in a complex way, but <laughs> you're using the object visibility feature on each segment of the button bar, um, so that only one is is visible at a time. And sometimes there's more than just the two states. So I've got examples where mm -hmm. you've got uh, the unchecked state, the checked, a mixed state, which is historically represented by a dash in the checkbox, mm -hmm. and then uh, uh, an inactive state. And, and that can be inactive checked or inactive unchecked, right. where it's one or the other, but, but 
for whatever reason, it's not editable at this moment. Um, hmm, so okay. potentially up to five different states. So you can use the five segments. One thing I found, though, when I started trying to put the height conditions on all those segments is, um, I, and especially as I started copying from one layout to another or one file to another and then going in and editing those height conditions, uh, which get a little bit more complex when you have multiple uh, segments, is uh, something about that cr can crash FileMaker. Oh, boy. I, I, I learned that I frequently ha I save frequently, change your height conditions. If it crashes, just open it back up and, and continue where you left off. Once you get the height conditions set, you're, you're, you're good to go. Um, but something about the editing of those just uh, it, it sends, uh, sends it for a loop. Hmm. I haven't. A couple people in our office have FileMaker crash like on a weekly basis. I don't think it's crashed on me in months. <coughs> that's that's just about the only thing that's crashed it for me in in in, in a long long time. So there's another application of this multi-segment thing that I've been messing with, and I'm not sure if you've done this one or not. But there's a problem that I've been trying to solve for a while, which is um, on a list layout uh, at the top of the column. Um, I want a sort button, which is the field header, basically. So let's go back to our invoice list example. If you want to yeah. sort your invoices by status, um, I want a widget that says uh, that I, there's a clickable button that runs the sort script. Yeah. And then if I click it, it shows that that segment is the current segment. And if I click it once, it sorts it ascending. If I click it again, it sorts it descending. And then it gives me a different icon. So yeah, basically, it's yeah. three states. Not sorted, sorted ascending, sorted descending. Not sorted has no icon. Ascending and descending have the up and down icons. So, so how do you, how do you uh, determine uh, in real time whether or not it's sorted and in which direction? So like what we've done before is we have like a generic, a generic sort script and we have two uh, global variables. Um, uh, which is the sort field and what is the sort direction? Mm-hmm. Um, so that if you're looking at a list layout, it, all the conditional formatting already works correctly. If you come, if you leave a layout and come back, it's correct. And then if you click on a different column to sort it, um, that it uh, that it runs the sort script and resets those two global variables, and so it correctly displays it. So you get the and from just from those two variables, you get invisibility and also uh, conditional formatting just to to know which one is the actual sort. But I haven't got it. 100%. So that's why I just I wondered if you had because there was a couple I can't remember exactly what it was but um, I wanted no, it to make no, it No, that sounds nice though. Yeah, I wanted to get it down to where I could have a single element where I could where I could set the element in one spot as opposed to in two or three spots cuz now you've got to go to conditional formatting plus object invisibility plus you have to actually have the button call the script and send the parameters to the script for what field it's sorting on. So if anybody has seen something like that, please contact me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think you're going to be the one to develop it, Matt, and I'm eager to see when the finished uh, result. Well, I'll try. I'll keep trying. <laughs> Actually, it's probably David. David in our office um, uh, has, has been the one who's uh, written our research articles and, and is the one maybe even more in love with button bars here than me. Yeah. Um, and he's done some cool stuff. So you can, I don't know if you've read our uh, blog articles on, on button bars, but he mostly focuses on the, 
the calculation aspect. Yeah, yeah, I have I absolutely have seen those. Yeah, and, and, and then, it's fantastic stuff. Yep, and the reporting part of it is really cool too. Just like using them as using them as subsummary fields. Uh-huh. Uh It's it's been pretty fun. So what other what other interesting things? What are the other two or the other blog articles that you've written that you wanted to highlight? So so the the one the, the part two of the button bar series uh, was something that I called expert panel, and that aimed at basically replacing a tab panel with a combination of a button bar and a slide panel. And that way you can integrate things like icons, which you can't put on obviously on a slide on a tab panel. Um, you can do things like making sure that as you uh, when you leave a layout and then navigate back to it, you um, land on the whichever panel was active when you last left it rather than always defaulting back to the first um, tab hmm. okay and so forth. Um, and so it's it's uh, the, the whole technique is outlined in, in the, the blog post and the accompanying file. It's I got to admit, it's one of those techniques that uh, has a, a handful of moving parts, a custom function, several scripts, and then on the layout, both a button bar with certain formatting and the slide panel. And um, I, I tend to have a bit of an aversion for techniques that have too many moving parts. So it might very well be that if somebody else had posted expert panel and I looked at it and said, well, great learning opportunity, but too many moving parts, I'm not going to use it. Mm -hmm. But since I came up with it, they're my moving parts and I'm okay with it. Sure, I get um, that. But, but, it, but it does stretch the limit. It's about as many moving parts as I care to put into a, a, a technique. But yeah. it works nicely. Um, if, if, in a big, uh, big project where I'm going to be doing a lot of panels, I certainly don't mind putting these scripts and the, and the custom function in place and, and going with it right from the start. If I just need a panel real quickly, uh, the old-fashioned tab panel, even though I trashed them in my blog post, the old-fashioned <laughs> tab panel still has a place, and it's it's much easier to implement. Yeah, I do like them. Uh, yeah. But I switched back uh, and forth between those and the newer style slider panels. Yeah. yeah, this is. I mean, this is nice because you can, you can really get the formatting just the way you like and it's it's so much more flexible once you get the scripts and everything into place um, in, in terms of your formatting. Really, the, the sky's the limit. And in the blog post, I have uh, a few different examples. And, and one of the ones that I particularly like is um, I simulated like an iPhone screen and uh, for example, a dress book or, or the phone app or something where you have tabs along the bottom with icons um, if you can picture like the phone app, it, I think it's got the keypad icon and the, and the contacts and so forth. And uh, so you've got that. And then um, uh, on one of the tabs, I have sort of a nested tab panel or sub tabs, and that's uh -huh. a, a scope control at the top. Um, so this also accommodates nested panels. So it'll as you navigate away from and back to layouts, it'll remember not only which panel you were on, but on each of those panels, if there's a nested panel, or remember which nested panel you're right. on, and always restore you right back to where you were. Yep. And, and one of the things I enjoyed about um, developing this technique is it gave me a chance to dive into design functions. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I've been using FileMaker for you know almost 20 years now, and just and design functions go right back 
almost to the beginning, as far as I know, at least back to four. And I started with version four, and uh, I've I've always ignored them. They never seem to offer have much to offer me. But um, there's the one, the layout objects, which will list all of the the objects on your layout, named or not. And so if you name things correctly, and this technique does require that everything be named in a certain way, mm -hmm. then you can get that list as you navigate into a layout using the, the layout objects function and compare that with uh, the active panels that you've saved into a global variable. And it relies on comparing those two as you navigate around. So it was kind of fun to see how that particular uh, design function worked and uh, encouraged me to... Uh, keep the design functions uh, sort of, you know, a little bit not so far in the back of my mind uh, as I develop other methods for doing things. Yeah, yeah. Like you, I've, I've mostly kind of ignored them, but they, there's some of them that are more useful than others, of course, like almost anything in FileMaker. Um, but I actually, I don't think they do go back to the very beginning. I think they probably did come at around 4, 3, 4, something like that. Okay. Um, so, so me and design functions, we were born at about the same time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and 20, that's still a long time ago. I mean, <laughs> 20 years. It is almost 20 years, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I uh, Sometimes I like to wax poetic about the old days of FileMaker because I've been using it even longer than that. But then I've been realizing lately that that really doesn't matter. Like when you're talking to a new prospect... They don't really care that you've been using FileMaker for 20 years or whatever. They they care about like what you can do for them today and whether your stuff is fresh and relevant and like what what was your last project that you did, not your first one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, so that was that was uh, part two for the series. Um, I'm hoping that there will be uh, you know parts three, four, five, six, seven. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, when I'll run out of ideas, I've got a couple ideas for some for things yet to come, but it's always a matter of finding time to uh, act on those ideas. There actually is a part three, which is not so much a button bar, uh, you know, a special mm -hmm. trick or technique as it is a, a few comments on uh, designing um, good um, SVG icons for use in button bars. Ah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and buttons likewise. So I guess this one should be called uh, uh, Fun with Button Bars and Plain Old Buttons 2 or something, mm -hmm. part three. But I'm, I'm keeping it as part of the Fun with Button Bars series. Yeah, the SVG stuff is a little bit tricky. I mean, it's interesting because it's just raw code. You can actually go in and edit the text and fix a problem, like if there's not transparency or the default color is wrong or something like that. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, you can do that, and and you can although uh, you can also uh, bypass much of that if you design them carefully in a uh, you know your design application. And I'm using Sketch mostly these days uh, rather than Illustrator, which I used to use and kind of almost forgotten about. It's Autodesk um, not, not, Sketch like on the iPad, or I'm not it, familiar with that. Um, no, it's Sketch by uh, Bohemian Coding. And it's become kind of a, a hot app for interface designers and icon designers. Hmm. Um, it's it's much pared down compared to Illustrator. It really is designed for um, UI work and, and especially excels at icon design and this sort of thing. Hmm. Okay. And uh, one of the things that immediately appealed to me about it compared to Illustrator is how easy it is to 
design a, a large set of icons on separate artboards and export them in one fell swoop or export, hmm. you know, tweak some of them and export that subset and so forth. I remember doing a large set of icons for a friend of mine who was uh, has a, a commercial um, uh, app for the Mac or application for mm -hmm. the Mac. Um, that's a uh, academic reference manager. And I did those in Illustrator a few years ago. And, you know, we went through a lot of iterations of some of the icons to get them just right. And it was painful every time I exported them, I had to go in and rename all the, the individual files. And, and, uh, and for, uh, in order to put them in Xcode, you need um, two different resolutions. They're PNGs, so you need a higher resolution oh, sure. file for the, uh, for the retina, retina display. And those need to have at 2x appended to the name. And it just always seemed to be, that was a pain point, was just yep. after I got my icons design, was exporting them all and, and getting them ready to send him a, a folder full of icons and say, here you go, try these. Um, and uh, I wasn't using Sketch at the time. I wish I was, because it really makes that process so much easier. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and it's really tailor-made for that sort of thing. It's got it, it's... Uh, it's got its limitations. I think the, the pen tool, anybody who's used Illustrator's uh, beautiful pen tool mm -hmm. will uh, pull their hair out over, um, over Sketch. But, uh, but uh, I've made it work, and, and, and a lot of people are, are really loving Sketch. So I'm using that. Cool. I'll have to take a and, look at it. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's relative, relatively uh, affordable, too. I don't remember what their pricing is, but it's a lot cheaper than Illustrator. Um, so this third blog post looks at a couple uh, issues that uh, I have found are, are important things to consider if you really want a nice, crisp-looking icon and so forth. Yeah, and SVG is just such a better format because it, it autom it's, it's vector, so it scales to whatever resolution your device will have. Um. It does, but, um, but there, there, there are some limitations there um, as far as the, the scaling. You can scale... If, if it's all curves and, and circles and, uh -huh. and things like that, it's going to scale beautifully. But it, what I found is that if you've got any vertical or horizontal lines or edges, um, you still want those to fall on a pixel edge when it's rendered, especially if you're rendering oh, yeah. on non-retina displays. Um, although you can even see the effect on a, on a, a retina screen, too. Hmm. Um, so I still tend to, uh, for those icons in particular, to just know in advance what size I'm going to be setting my icon at in um, FileMaker and design at that size so I can be sure that happens. And hmm. I have some, some examples of that in that third blog post. Yep, that makes sense. Having been down that road a little bit myself. Cool. Well, that's some good stuff. Any other any other stuff to add, or are we geeked out sufficiently on button bars and, <laughs> and icons? Button bars. Oh, I could talk about button bars and especially <laughs> icons all day, but uh, that that that's that's what's on my mind right now. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they're definitely a favorite of mine. Well, uh, Mark, thanks really a lot for your time today. Well, thanks, man. It was a pleasure to talk with you.